We are live. Here is the intro music. Hey everyone, I'm Ryan. And I'm Steve, and this is 60 Cycle Hum, the guitar, buying, selling, trading, modding, fixing, breaking, reviewing, playing podcast. We did it, Steve. We did a proper intro and everything. I'm proud of us. Are you proud of us? Yeah. <laughs> this first ad was sent to us by Jason Weiser. This was on the Facebook group. By the way, if you ever want to get something on the show, an ad, uh, if you post it in the Facebook group, I might catch it. And uh, screen grab it and put it or up. Or email it to us, and I s- usually screen grab it. Or take screen grabs and email it to us. Yeah. That's the best. Yeah, totally. I mean, screen grabs that are emailed really is the best. Steve handles the emails. I handle the Facebook group. Figure it out. Do whatever you want to do. Anyways, this is the Terminator. Yes. Is there, a, is there a copy on this? Is there a what? Is there a copy on this one? No, this is, there- is it. There was no okay. copy. Oh. All the copies on the box, man. We get to see the I box know, it's for a this thing. Double pickup with tremolo, electric guitar with built-in amplifier and speaker. <laughs> Give me your clothes. <laughs> I, I don't know. Solid is, body. Is that Chrome a joke? Bots. <laughs> I am the T one thousand. No, I am the T eight hundred. I am all chrome pots underneath this fleshy out exterior. Oh my gosh! If this if this guitar represented a terminator movie like who would be playing the terminator because it wouldn't be arnold this is not an arnold term terminator this, this is, an, is uh, this is a bizarre this is, world where terminator is played by a different actor a good would you um this would be like some um really oh this this is a terminator but he's played by like um either one of those like Oh, what the power team! He's played by someone from the power team. <laughs> my my initial like instinct is Steve Buscemi. <laughs> oh, that kind of bizarro! I don't like know. It could bizarro. be anyone, really. I mean, it could be. But I'm saying like that's like you know who is the opposite of Arnold Schwarzenegger or Steve Buscemi. Yeah, well, I'm not saying he's opposite. I'm saying it's like a Wish.com version of the Terminator. <laughs> right. I was just thinking Adam of Sandler like, is the Terminator. <laughs> I was thinking it was someone still needed to be someone who was like a workout guy. Oh, but, okay. But was like way more like not an actor or not. Sure. You know, it could have been like any. Some, they could have picked any of those '80s action workout dudes. Oh yeah, it could have been sure. Stallone. They could have done Terminator as Stallone. Yeah, but this is not a Stallone Terminator but no, this guitar. Is, yeah, this is like you. You don't get you don't get Stallone or Schwarzenegger or whatever. You get like some guy you've never heard of who's like was just a background background extra, you know, in. Uh, when Arnold walks through a gym, you just, right, right. he's the guy who who turns over and he's like, "Hey, bro, <laughs> how's it going?" This is uh, this is if Jesse Ventura played Terminator. <laughs> oh no, Jesse Ventura in the eighties was sick. Uh, I'm, I don't know. <laughs> he didn't have time to bleed, man. I know, I know, I know. 
So anyways, we've seen these things pop up before. It's a, it's a guitar with a speaker built in and uh, it's it's got like a Tysco hardtail bridge on it. Well, it's got the high, it's got the Tysco uh, version of like a tunematic, which means not tunable at all, and then a Tysco trim on it. Uh, you know this guitar sucks. It can't be a good guitar. Yeah, I don't think I've. I've do these always have the trim? I in my head, I've never I seen one with the trim. No, I mean on the box, it's got the photo right there of that trim. It's it's weird to think like there's there's no way. They didn't name this guitar after the movies because who would name a guitar Terminator? Like that's a word that doesn't mean good things for electronic devices uh, before that movie comes out and redefines what the word means. So if you Google these and look at pictures, there are a bunch of these. Uh, maybe they were made later that have strat trims instead of oh, this wacky okay. thing. Yeah, this is a, a real wild take on this. I, I mean, it's already a crappy guitar, and then they put the, these crappy, just punched nickel or tin bridges on them. Yeah. Jeez, man. I weren't you weren't you trying to get one of these once? I hope not. <laughs> if I was going to get you know a guitar with a speaker built into it, I'd get. One of those Fernandez or something like that. I don't know. You mean like the one that you already got? Well, yeah, I have the uh, that little ESP thing, which is fun. Um, oh, right, ESP. Yeah, no, that's not. But Fernandez. you know, it's, it's a sub brand of ESP. I forget. It's like Green River or something like that. It's over there on the wall. Yeah, I think it's Green River. Right. Um, man, one hundred twenty-five bucks down from one hundred fifty. Bring to- it down. Uh, bring it down to like seventy-five. Like you know, this is the the whole pitch here, right? This is uh, is this new in box? <laughs> it's missing the arm. I don't know how you have something new in box and don't have the arm on it. Maybe the arm's maybe it, still wrapped up maybe, in plastic. Yeah, I was going to say. You think it's the it's got to be the original strings if it's new in box. They look like the original strings. I mean, if you want to take a if you want to know what it's like to have, you know, a brand new student model guitar from the late 80s, early 90s maybe. I wonder when these came out. Uh, I mean, this is your experience right here. You know, live your childhood. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to see if there's any any site that says like when these were made. It just says 1980s, but it yeah. Know. I'm I'm well. When did when did Terminator come out? <laughs> the the, 19, the 1980s. Right, but which year? Uh, I thought of, for some reason in my head, I'm thinking like 1987, 84. Really? So I'm betting Dang. this guitar came out like 87 or 86. Yeah. When did two? I think two came out. T2 came it, out uh, like 91. I think, yeah, I was going to say 90, 91. Because it was a while. Because it was like, I think it was like almost funny to people like, oh, oh, a sequel to this? I thought that was over, you know? And it, was, it took so long that most people didn't even realize that, like, oh, this is a sequel. Because I think the first one was pretty much like an indie action film. Like, a lot of people didn't watch it. Maybe I'm just guessing at this stuff, but that's always been my impression. That the, the first one was like that? Yeah. The, the first one is very uh, kind of low-budget feeling when you go back and watch yeah. it. There's some interesting... Um, but to a lot of people, T2, to to a lot of people, T2 <laughs> is the first one. Terminator well, T two T two is the 
Inter- like is the fun one, I think. T2 is the... I mean, you don't, you don't need to watch the first Terminator to watch T2 and have a great time. But it, like T2 like brings it up to the modern standard that right. you know it became and then has been less and less entertaining as it goes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. Um, you're not wrong. If, Hold on a second. Oh, Steve is disappearing. He's got to do a line of cocaine. Super rich Steve over here. My wife has a box of tissues on her nightstand, and it's full of trash. <laughs> because you keep putting trash in it? No, it's I would I was trying to get a tissue to wipe okay. up some to use as a coaster. So here's a weird premise. All right. Alternate universe, alternate reality, bizarre world. Uh, mm-hmm. The Terminator movies never come out. Okay. This guitar still goes into production. they got to name it something. What movie do they name it after? Um... Beastmaster. <laughs> no, I, I was going to say they probably name it. Uh, they would name it like the snake. The snake <laughs> after Escape from Escape from New York. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, did that? What time? When, when did Escape from New York come out? I feel like that was later. Was it? I thought it was nineties too. Oh, they call it Big Trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Am I just thinking about that because I'm just going to name a Kurt Russell movie? Whoa, now? Escape from New York was 81, way earlier. Yeah, that was, so that was before Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah, so they could have called it The Snake. They could have called it uh, The Kickboxer, <laughs> I guess. Maybe, you know, Cyborg. Cyborg would have been a good name for oh it. Oh, my God. The Cyborg. The Cyborg. Actually, Cyborg would be a good name for yeah. it. Yeah. Since it's, uh, you know, built in, whatever, whatever. Yeah, exactly. And that was... Wasn't that Jean-Claude Van Damme? Cyborg? And uh, Angelique Jolie, I think. Excuse me. I feel like it wasn't Angelina Jolie. She was in something. She was in something along those lines. I'm pretty Cyborg sure. Cyborg wasn't it was until 1989. Also. Ah, damn. Oh, my gosh. Is this why you're referencing? Are you referencing Cyborg on purpose? Well, I think it was Jean Claude Van Damme. That's why I was thinking of it, and I was thinking of an '80s movie. Okay, but the thing is, is Jean Claude Van Damme's character in Cyborg is named Gibson Rickenbacker. <laughs> what? Hold on! Hold on! Hold on! Hold on. The female character, the female actress in this is Deborah Richter, whose character's name is Nadie Simmons. Someone just said that Angelina Jolie was in Sneakers. So that Sneaker. Yeah. Okay. Um, the, there was another character in this movie named Fender Tremolo. What the heck? Is this a there's secret a, guitar there, movie? There's another character named Pearl Prophet and another character named Marshall Strat. What is going on with Cyborg? We have to watch this movie now. <laughs> is it like a thing where like no one's actually is called by anything in the movie? So like, we'll just give them names. And here's the theme. Marshall Strat. I'm looking ridiculous. at it right now. Yeah. Gibson Rickenbacker. Yep. <laughs> In this movie, the other guy's name is Fender Tremolo. 
And in this movie, uh, um, <laughs> Daryl just commented Kramer Charvel was the director. <laughs> uh, Jean Claude Van Damme plays a, a mercenary, but in this movie, mercenaries are known as slingers. Is it like a code name thing? Like, oh, everyone in this, you, gotta, you have to have a guitar code name. I haven't watched that this, movie in so long that I never, I didn't even catch it last time I watched it. This is actually a trilogy. Oh, I know. I know. There's a bunch of them. I mean, anything Jean Claude Van does, he does it over and over again. I'm so confused. I've, I've literally. Oh, you know what? Cyborg 2 had Angelina Jolie in it. Oh, okay. There you go. Cyborg uh, 2. In that Return movie, to Cyborg Town. In that movie, they do not have uh, as fun names. Uh, They're all named, unfortunately. like, Casio, Yamaha, Korg. They're all <laughs> named after keyboards. Uh, <laughs> oh, my gosh. The third one is called Cyborg 3, The Recycler. Yeah, no kidding. You've made three of these. I think Jean-Claude Van Damme turned down something major so he could work on Universal Soldier sequels. He turned down... Um, Welcome to 60 Cycle what? Hum, the Hollywood gossip podcast. No, I think even Universal... Like, he turned down something to do... Like, it was a Matrix-level thing. Like, he was like, no, I don't want to do the Matrix. I'm going to do another Universal Soldier. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. <laughs> I thought it was Universal Soldier he actually turned something down for... Or maybe a Street Fighter. He turned something else down oh, to do Street Fighter. JCVG. Whatever. How are you doing, man? What's new? I've been trying to think of something new, and I, I don't know what, man. I, I played new? guitar last Sunday, and I, apparently it was so bad that they didn't even put the full service on the internet. Oh, damn. <laughs> you got you to gotta post links to what's there, though. You got to show us what's going on. No, there was nothing. There was nothing. There all they all they posted was the sermon. Ah, uh, lame. Maybe it, that's what I hear. Maybe it was a uh, song rights thing, or they just thought it would be boring. Um, I, I wonder if it's because like we're not there's like singing in church right now is a gray area, so they're like maybe we don't put this on the internet. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's it. I don't know. Uh, my church still isn't meeting. I, no, actually, I think they had. They have an outdoor service planned, but they, they're making everyone reserve a seat because there's only so oh, many yeah. seats. So everyone's going to be sitting like 12 feet apart in like single seats. <laughs> Out and the, in the great outdoors. In the great outdoors. Um, uh, I sold that Firefly. I, uh, oh, yeah. How much How much did it end up going for? It ended up going for 163 I think. Dang. Is, so it did not go much higher than... Uh... I forget what I paid for those things. They're, they're not expensive. I think it was like a it was like a hundred bucks new or one twenty new or something like that. Oh so yeah, I got, I flipped it. Aaron Abubo was asking in the uh, in the Facebook group post if I've ever if I've done any actual flips lately. I I flipped that. I made forty bucks off of it. I guess. Well, I did put a bridge on it, so I broke even. Right. <laughs> Hey, for that guitar, I think if you would have tried to sell that to somebody in person, I don't know if you would have been able to break even. Well, here's the thing. Uh, did a local pickup. The, per- the person who bought it is way out East County. Mm. And they were like, hey, can we arrange a local pickup? And I was like, yeah, of course. And I don't have to ship anything. And then when he told me where yeah. he was coming from, I was like, 
I'll be a nice guy and I'll meet you halfway. Uh, so I, oh, I, you, I meet him. Oh, I met him because he, he's like way out in the desert. He's County. Uh, I met him at La Mesa Guitar Center. Um, I could not believe the line going out of La Mesa Guitar Center. Like they were, people, you know, people, doing the thing where like you have to wait to go in. Right. Only so many people could go in. There was a line around the building to go into Guitar Center. Why? What do what do people need that you can't get on the internet? I wonder if they're the only if they're like the only store that's open though. Maybe most stores I are mean, doing yeah, like, like in person pickup. Like if you make an order, they'll you you slide your card through the mail slot and they'll stick it out the door <laughs> or something. Um, like I'm looking at it, I'm like there's no way everyone in this line needs string super badly like these people are just looking to go in and do anything they're looking for entertainment they want to go in and kick the yeah. tires on on a line six spider like they're like where am i supposed to play sweet child of mine and have people hear it <laughs> i gotta get my fix <laughs> oh my gosh. but i can't i mean I, you don't need strings right now because you're not playing gigs so there's no emergency gig also like strings you, yeah strings you can just order online there's no emergencies right now that you need something last minute like why are people waiting and and there was a there was a character waiting there this guy with uh what's it called when you have like the 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 uh light silk thing wrapped around your waist uh uh like a sarong is it a sarong or is it so right <laughs> Uh, this guy with you know he had like a he had like a silk shawl wrapped around his waist and then he had like a a shirt like a denim shirt that was fully right. open like not a single button was buttoned and he's walking around back and forth to the line at guitar center with his acoustic guitar going back and forth to his minivan or whatever yeah apparently like a men's sarong is basically just like a it's like a silk linen towel i love that you're researching this <laughs> well because i i i never i've always just thought of sarong as like the tradition like the women's traditional thing that goes like that i thought yeah I don't know. like an over the shoulder thing yeah <laughs> but maybe i'm wrong about what a sarong is maybe you're wrong maybe you're so right i don't know uh so anyways um Handed the guitar off to the guy. Took a picture of him holding it. I said in the description for my eBay listing, yeah, that I would be using all of the money from the sale to buy groceries for my oh, right. for my family, right? And yeah. I will film myself buying the groceries or shopping, and uh, I'll make a little video about it and post it. So I have to do that now. <laughs> so how is that? Full- how is that going to work? Because like a lot. I mean, you're going to have to. A lot of grocery stores like are, get a little uh, unhappy if you are. I know filming while you're walking through the store. I know. I I think if I, I think if I just like clamp a my 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 phone into this like the uh, the little tray this, the oh, front yeah. seat and make it look like I'm just reading my shopping list, then it'll be fine. That's, that's probably the way to do yeah, it. Yeah, then it'll be fine. You know. But uh, or if I position it just right, so the camera is in between the bars and, and looking down into the cart, like it, it doesn't have to be perfect. Yeah, it just has to be something that I can time lapse over the course of a minute or something like that, and do some uh, some uh, narration over it. I guess I don't know. Yeah, 
But uh, anyways, just I'm narrate Just narrate and post. I'm kind. That's what I'm saying. I'm kind of. Gl- Here's what you'll do. Here's what you do. Film it. Uh-huh. Put it on the drive. I'll narrate. Oh my it, gosh. And Then you could smash <laughs> it together. Well, it looks like Ryan's buying. It's, Ryan, you're going to need vegetables. You're not getting yeah. any vegetables. That's going to block you up. Like, come on, pickles. Come on. Oh, man. I never get that brand of pickles. <laughs> <laughs> get the get the refrigerated pickles. They're crisp, you know. You don't want to get the the, the shelf stable ones. Uh, Ryan's getting off brand ketchup. Heinz or go home. I know. <laughs> Hunt. Here's what I should do. Hunt ketchup. That's just sugar. If I can, this is what I should do. I should live stream it. Live stream the shopping cart. You think the internet's strong enough at Vons for me to do that? It, it depends on your Vons. At my Vons, it is. Mm. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm kind of glad that it didn't go into some sort of ridiculous bidding war where it ends up selling for a thousand dollars. Even though that would have been fun, uh, <laughs> because then how do I spend that much money at a grocery store? Like 163. You'll just have to make multiple grocery store videos. I know that I can spend 163 at the grocery store, oh, yeah. especially if I do Costco or something like that. You know, but I I do need to stock up the fridges. A little empty right now. Yeah, you could do that at like any grocery. Oh store. yeah, yeah. Like, Just buy a bunch you, of like you frozen meats and stuff. I think I think shrimp. the hardest get some shrimp. Yeah, there you go. I think the hardest place I would have spending that much money is um is like Sprouts. Sure, but it's because like all I'm buying there is vegetables. Yeah, how much? How much? You know, <laughs> what is what is the not medicine? Oh my gosh, homeopathic. Uh, homeopathic. How much homeopathic stuff do you need? I mean. It's yeah. so powerful. Well, it's so powerful. You only has, need one, really. The water has memory. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. It's like if you try to spend one hundred and sixty-three dollars at Sprouts, you're just going to come home with like uh, three, you know, three hundred uh, bunches of grapes. <laughs> yeah, a whole bushel of apples, like a, just a crate yeah. of apples. 80, 83 pounds of potatoes, <laughs> or just wine. That's what I should do. Let's just go buy booze. <laughs> hey, Bevmo is kind of a grocery store. Kind right? of a grocery store. It's kind of, I could go to Trader Joe's and just get nothing but eighty bottles of two bucks pirates booty. Just fill the cart with pirates. Just there. <laughs> <laughs> just turning that cash into booty. <laughs> oh my gosh! Craig Flowers just said, uh, "Wait, uh, have you ever tried refrigerating your potato chips?" Highly recommend against. <laughs> yeah, yeah no there's kidding. a story there. Yeah, I, I don't want to do that. So you got no, no, you got nothing new. That was my new. I sold something. Um, my drink. I yeah. Uh, I guess my new is I just finished another jar of kombucha. Oh, kombucha boy, huh? Uh, you know that uh, I know someone who who uh, works for a kombucha company. I know someone who makes his own kombucha and gives it away at church in mass. Well, there you go. Uh, uh, my sister's roommate works for Boochcraft. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's the good good. That's the good good. Sometimes we... I don't think I'm allowed to have that kind anymore. <laughs> it's a little stiff. I don't actually like kombucha. I don't drink it, but but Lauren really likes it. I know that mm. that's like a 7%er kombucha. Yeah, yeah. Um. Oh, I think they just throw in like champagne yeast at the at like the tail end or something. Here's a here's what I was going to talk about, if I can remember it. Come back to me. Come back, memory. Come back. You can do it. <laughs> oh, it might be gone. Oh, I was going to talk about the road case videos. 
Oh yeah. I, uh, I went and shot nine more videos at Coast Sonic uh, because I, here's the story. It's 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 a long story. Um, this should have been your main. I thing know. For I what's know. Name. Someone on uh, YouTube. Oh, it was on Andy's channel because he did the interview mm-hmm. with me. Uh, one of his commenters called me the Tom Green of guitar channels as an insult, if you can believe it. Right. He was trying to insult me, and he compared me to Tom Green. I was like, "Hey, Tom I'll Green love is that. A, oh, so you're you're an American treasure, Ryan? He's Canadian. You're he's a North American treasure, and that includes Mexico as well, because Mexico is also part of North America. Um, he's Canadian American, Ryan. He lives in Los Angeles or whatever. So anyway, someone compared me to him. I was like. I got no problem with that. I was like, I wonder if Tom Green plays guitar. I bet he does. So I jumped on his Instagram. I started scrolling around. Lo and behold, oh, I see a picture uh, with a bunch of guitars in it. I clicked the picture. It's a video. And he's doing a walkthrough tour of Coast Sonic's uh, showroom that I did not know existed. And he's like, oh, hey, my buddy Jody over at Coast Sonic opened up the showroom. You guys should all go check it out. So. No big deal. That means... You and I are friends with someone who's real friends, real life friends with Tom Green. That gives us one degree of separation, Steve. By the way, I'm going to give credit where credit's due. We were chatting about this with uh, the the Gear Sun boys, uh, Aaron, Phil, and Cole. And they pointed out the rest of this journey here. We have one degree of separation from Tom Green. That means we Mm -hmm. have two degrees of separation from Drew Barrymore. That means... Mm -hmm. We only have three degrees of separation from E.T. We could hang E.T. We could hang out with E.T. We could be best friends with that little turd, that cute little turd. We didn't make a couple calls. <laughs> I'll buy the Reese's pieces. <laughs> Jody, what would it take to get E.T. on the phone? <laughs> and then, of course, oh, Aaron's man. super excited because he's like, well, that means that I've got four degrees of separation from Laura Dern. <laughs> from Laura Dern? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or five degrees or whatever, because he knows us and, you know, we know that. And, you know, yeah. Where is Laura Dern in this equation? Um, Jurassic Park, Steven Spielberg, same director as E.T. Oh, I mean, once it. you get that Spielberg okay. connection, you could go all over the place. I mean, I could probably get Jody to get the T-Rex on the phone with me. Who knows? Maybe we could get the star, the actor himself, who played Gibson Rickenbacker on the phone. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Call back. <laughs> uh, do we want to pay some bills? Yeah. This first uh, this first uh, sponsor spot is brought to you by Tour Gear Designs. Boom. They got this crazy small little cable. Do they have a fancy name for that cable, or is it... It's called the fancy small named little. No, I don't know. I don't remember what the name is of it. Let's see if it says. Way to way to the flat. Try to run. It's a very utilitarian name. The flat pedal cable. It says it right on the side of the thing. Pedal cable. That's what it's called. Uh, By the way, if you uh, use code sixty cycle hum at checkout with these, you get ten percent off. Yep. Click our links. Buy more than a hundred dollars of them, you get free shipping. Free ship. Which sounds like it sounds. Like a lot of money, but really, if you're buying like, if the number of pedal of cables that I would need to redo my board, 
would come yeah. close to a hundred dollars. If you're doing redoing a whole big board and you need a bunch of these, yeah, you're gonna hit a hundred bucks pretty quick. Um, I really like these um, because I mean, there's a few t- features there. I mean, yeah, the head is small. That's cool. The shaft coming off the head is <laughs> small too. This is premium sponsorship right here. Uh, but the thing I really like and what I look for in pretty much all my patch cables is that the cable itself is very flexible and soft mm-hmm. and can be you know wrapped around to do a multitude of fancy things to get it out of the way and tucked down. Um, I really like it when the cable's soft and I can move it around and whatnot. A hard, stiff cable, it's just going to push your pedals all over the place and be really annoying. So I appreciate yeah. that. It's neat that they are flat. That is a feature. Because it can go flat between pedals and whatnot, um, but really, just the soft softness of it—that's what I like. So yeah, go check out Tour Gear Designs. Click the links, save some money, spend some money, get free ship. Next ad. Uh, let's hit it. We're hitting a topic here, man. There is one huge oh, topic. topic that dropped. I think yesterday. Big boy topic here. Um, Gibson. As in Gibson, Gibson Rickenbackers, not Gibson Rickenbacker. <laughs> uh, this was posted yesterday uh, that Gibson Brands Incorporated is cease and desisting. I guess Adam Grimm, the man behind Satellite Amps, it was bound to happen uh, over his uh, bring back of the Satellite. Uh, coronet style guitar. Well, he's calling it the coronet. Adam, right? Copyrighted it is, okay, yeah, or it is the satellite coronet? Either copyrighted or trademarked the name and the design. I remember when he did this. It mm-hmm. was uh, right around when I went to the fretboard journal event that was here. So it must have been like four years ago, five years ago, long time ago. Um, he was yeah. So, he was bringing the prototype so ba- around, and we were like, "Whoa, that's crazy! This is a really." like fun build and like a fun version of the cornet. And he's like, yeah, that's what I'm calling it. I figured out that, well, this is what he said at the time. I mean, maybe I'm misremembering it, but I remember him saying that, uh, they weren't able to find any case of Gibson trademarking the name or the design for the cornet. He's like, well, if they're not going to do it, I'm going to do it. And maybe someday they'll come after me, but I'll have a strong case because I'm the one with the trademark. So, yeah, he said that Gibson, so this is all from his his Instagram post. He says, Gibson abandoned the model in 1999, never bothered to even protect the model or keep it alive. Um, he also says in that post that, um, you know, he uh, when a number of friends, so basically because Gibson has gone after a number of brands over the years, uh, uh you know, at basically at any point, if you made a single cut guitar, you were, you know, he was, Gibson was coming for you. Right, right. Thing, it seemed like. Uh, so I think Callings is one of them. Anderson, Cower, you know, a number of these different builders have had, I mean, you I'd talk- say interactions. It had different kinds of interaction, but yeah. at least, you know, legal interaction. You talk to the um, builder community of guitars and almost all of them have had some sort of interaction with Gibson over like silly things, you know, get, like the guitar guitar designs that you would never think would be infringing on anything. Gibson Gibson checks in on them like, hey, here's your cease and desist because we don't like the way you're uh, placing your bridge or whatever. Like, they're very litigious. 
Yeah. So um, Satellite, again, Adam goes on and he says that uh, in 2016 was when he discovered that the Cornet was basically abandoned by Gibson. There was no mention of the model anywhere. It wasn't like in any of their, you know, how when you go to like a Fender, the Fender website, they might make a, you know, you know, the history of, yeah, yeah. there might be a history page or something like that. So no, no mention of it anywhere. So they got a bunch of people to gather around and figure out how to, how to, you know, they bought some old cornets, it sounded like, and basically rebuilt them. Yeah. Um, he says he's been, they've never given one away. In 2017, Gibson came to the uh, came down to uh, the satellite booth, I guess, and took photographs of it and talked to him about it. And so they've known about this since 2017. Uh, so here's what I think happened. He goes on. Well, he goes on and says like that. You know, basically this is a bullying thing. That. Um, he he's already responded to the initial letter. He actually offered to sell the name back to Gibson. Um, oh wow! And basically say like you know I've been building these, but if you have plans for it, like you can have the trademark back. It's it'll cost you, but it, right, it'll be cheaper than this legal process. And they didn't reach. Sure, there was no reply until until now. Um, right, so. You know, this is kind of just a crazy. It's all it's all a crazy thing. Here's what I think happened. Well, I don't know. Maybe I'll say what I what I think happened in a minute. But my initial thought was like, this is this is crazy. Also, the cornet's like, wasn't it an Epiphone model? It was never Gibson yeah. model, right? Yeah, it was an Epiphone thing. I'm not aware of it ever being a Gibson model because it's it's like it's basically like a variation of the Wilshire sort of thing. Yeah, so it was manufactured from, uh, so the original was manufactured from 1959 to 1970, and there was a reissue uh, in the 90s that was manufactured from 1990 to 1999. Hmm. That was 21 years ago. The corno- the Cornet's been on its own for 21 years, Gibson. It's its own individual now. It can drink. It's been able to vote. For a long time, it's been driving around. You don't own it anymore. Let it go. Oh, it you, hasn't come you back know, to you. And you Let know what go. the difference is? Is I think the the Cornet turned eighteen. It had eighteen years of independence from Gibson, and it's like I hate you, mom and dad. I'm going to live with Adam now. <laughs> well, I'm looking at pictures of the Epiphone ones from the '90s, and I think that yeah it's a different uh it's a, a different, different shape. body type mm. oh but okay so there are two the thing this is kind of useless with picture without pictures but guys go actually if you look at the wikipedia and go down to the links uh there's a, a link at the bottom that has some old pictures um so there were basically two different body shapes that were the coronet um and the one that Satellite is making it is I think the older version right of it of this. So the newer the one that was reissued with the name in the 90s is actually the the newer design. The night so there was a restyle in 1963. Right. Well, it, Satellite's doing the symmetrical horn one, right? Right. And that's the one and that they, I don't think was ever reissued. Right, right. And and the Epiphone reissue for the 90s was an offset horn 
Right. Like a long top horn and a short bottom horn. Right. Which is Wh- like the it was like the Wilshire thing. Yeah, that that's that was part of the again there was like a redesign I guess in uh um not oh, in the in the early 60s. Epiphone did a coronet with a Floyd Rose and a humbucker bridge and single coil neck pickup that was in gold. Damn. I have to look at that. All right, so so I mentioned this earlier. One, I think this is trash. I think this is, but I think this is what Gibson does. And here's what I oh, think. it's exactly what Gibson does. And, and you know, I think the idea that like, oh, Gibson Henry J was out, and that you know this was new leadership. Um, I don't know if this was a lawsuit in progress or what. I don't know if these. I've laws- heard that the 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 legal team that works for Gibson kind of operates independently like i've heard that, rumors that, would, that, that that would make sense because because my speculation here is like a, ha- it's like a third-party legal team that they just hire and they go they go and just do stuff yeah and so and so my my speculation here is what happened is 2017 gibson learns about this they spend you know a year or whatever trying to figure out what they're going to do and then henry j it henry j's himself out of the company so the legal's like Ah, uh, we gotta stop suing these guitar builders. We gotta, you know, start writing all the legal documents to rehire all of these positions from all these people who just left. And now that that's settled out, and uh, does Mark Agnesi still work for them? Yeah, he does. Um, but they, you know, they probably <laughs> they probably had to spend a lot of money protecting him. <laughs> probably had to keep him from suing them for writing that stupid ass script. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, but anyway, now that things have stabilized and you know they're really bored now because COVID, you know, there's they don't they don't need to write contracts because there's nothing to do. They're like, huh? I guess we could go back to suing suing well, freaking guitar sue, builders again. So sue people, right? So yeah, in in Adam's post, he says that he throws numbers around like, oh, it's probably going to cost like one hundred twenty five thousand dollars to take this to court and yeah. defend it, whatever. And it's it's baffling to me that that's what it costs to defend yourself in our justice system to defend something that you own like he owns the copyright and trademark like if he's a small business like going against gibson and even with that amount of money he's he's probably not going to be able to go against gibson lawyers it's more of like well, we tried, sort of thing. Yeah, and that's a hundred and twenty-five thousand per side. Like that's that's, and that's why Gibson can pull this off is because that's chump change you know, to them. A hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars is only like seven Les Pauls. Right, right, <laughs> and they they sell that every time you know someone, <laughs> every time you know a, a candy loving kid goes in for fillings. <laughs> Yeah, that's seven less Pauls for somebody. <laughs> oh, braces! Oh man, that's two less Pauls right there. <laughs> Get in the seat, Timmy. <laughs> oh my god! It's just I just I just can't. <sighs> what a world we live in! Freaking Gibson, you should be ashamed of yourselves. First yeah. of all, you should be ashamed of yourselves that you didn't. Maybe you didn't think you needed to, or maybe. Like you just didn't have the structure, the corporate structure to make it happen, but you didn't protect these trademarks, these these model names that you've had since the sixties. 
like you don't have that many different variations of guitars. It's like a right. whole line of guitars and you didn't file anything for it. Right. And I, like I, when, when Adam told me that it must, it must have been 2016 uh, when he told me like, oh, they don't have any paperwork on this anywhere, like claiming any ownership of this. Like, That's bonkers. <laughs> it's totally bonkers that Gibson doesn't have anything because they can throw they can throw hundreds of thousands of dollars, maybe millions of dollars at court cases to go after people, but they they're not going to spend what the probably like four grand to trademark things of you know the dozens of of guitar models that they have like so bizarre and they you know they acquired Epiphone so you'd think yeah. that they would just grab. You know everything all at once, and be like, "Oh, here's all the models that Epiphone ever did. Let's let's trademark them." It's just, it's just, it's just annoying. But it's this is a thing that you know. Also, I think kind of stems out of the um, the idea that you know back in the day, nobody. Th- thought this was important or it was too small or too complicated of a process or whatever. And now, you know, it's all coming back to, well, you know, da, 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 da. and, and the reality is, is, you know, like Fender, I, I heard once that Fender never, uh, trademarked their headstock, but they were actually able to like fight for that because they said like, right. this was, this is a thing that we've used continuously. Yeah. You know, this is a brand. What's identifier. Gibson going to you know, s- What's Gibson going to say for the Coronet? They haven't used it in 21 years. And I don't think the satellite Coronet headstock is is even like a – is like quite the Epiphone shape. Like it's a different shape. If anything, it's closer to like the shape on like on a Harmony. Yeah. It's not a Gibson shape. I don't know. I definitely, I definitely understand. Um, I definitely understand brands wanting to protect themselves, and I definitely understand, you know, um, cease and desisting for things that you're actively producing, or even things like that. Maybe you know, there's the whole thing between um, that went on with Eventide and uh, the the original rose petals, um, or rose <laughs> right, effects, right. or whatever. There's another yeah. company called Rose Effects that I saw, but they're, I mean, they're so small. Um, you know, that whole Eventide thing, like, I didn't like what Eventide did, but I, I understood it from the perspective of them already holding the rights to the name, I guess. Um, well, here's here's my question. Did Gibson finally take notice, and are they serving cease and desist because they're about to reboot the Coronet? Is that what's happening? Because I could kind of see them doing that. But even if they're going to re, I could see them rebooting the cornet itself. But you know, um, you know, is they're it like, that they're going to bring? Like, are they going to bring back that shape? Is that what it is? Yeah, that, that maybe they're sitting there. They've got the production firing up for the, these cornets, and they start looking around, and they're like, "Oh shoot! Oh yeah." Satellite is making this. Uh, we got to get him to stop doing that because we're about to do it. We're about to redo the cornet. Yeah. I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be shocked at, you know, two winter NAMs from now. They've got 
coronets out. Right. Maybe they'll have to change the spelling if they lose to Adam. I hope they do lose to Adam. That would be hilarious. Uh, if they couldn't na- if they couldn't call it the coronet, and if right. they had to, I mean, they don't even have to change the body style. They just have to do the reissue style with the the offset horns. Yeah. Well, and so that's what I'm saying is like I don't. I I would have to imagine that Gibson's argument is going to have to be about the name because the body shape is just a vintage, you know, body shape. I can't. Right, right. I don't know. I just can't imagine that they have much grounds there considering they haven't manufactured that body shape in decades. Yeah. I mean, if they if they did the body shape again, I can't see Adam. I'm like, well, I'm going to take him to court over that body shape. I think he would just be like, oh, well, whatever. Yeah. I mean, maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Adam. Well, and it's like I, him, but. I don't know if this is apocryphal, but supposedly, I like I've seen this a few times. Martin owns the trademark or owns the design of the Dreadnought guitar that Martin Guitars does mm. it. And what Martin's what right. Martin has said is, we make the best Dreadnought. Uh, anyone else can try to make the best Dreadnought, and anytime somebody. Uh, is going to come out and say we we make the we make a better dreadnought than Martin. Then we're going to say, "Have you played our dreadnoughts?" Because nobody makes a better like basically saying like, "Yeah, we we design we right. this they're, is our they're design." Just saying like, yeah, and we're so confident in our ability and our ability to build this design that nobody's going to make a better one. So it doesn't matter if everyone else is making it. Right, like, and then, you know that's all marketing because I'm sure you can find someone out there making a better dreadnought than Mark. I just spilled water all over myself. I know. I, I mean, vodka, all, vodka. All 14 I just spilled pixels vodka all over myself. Do you have any more pixels over there, Steve? <laughs> this is my normal number of pixels. You're looking like Minecraft right now. <laughs> oh my gosh, is that <laughs> dropping on your end? Uh, a little bit. It was going in and out. I hear you just fine. I need. A, I've been mind. thinking about getting like a 1080p little computer attachment camera just for this. Oh man! Uh, all right. Uh, next ad. Yeah. Show me that ad, Ryan. This was sent to us. Oh, by I saw this Drew thing. Smizer. Smizer. Oh yeah, Drew Smizer. Wild. Smizer. So apparently. Look at the back of it, too. Yeah. Before we read the story on it, because there is a big block of copy that you will get to read, Steve. I know you're excited about that. Uh, this is an epiphone uh, that some folk artist down in Mexico. I'm, I'm calling a folk artist. Maybe that's offensive for me to call him that. Maybe it's a very serious artist. But I'm looking at, at how off-center this leather and chrome detailing is. I'm like, that's kind of folky. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Something's a little folky here. Uh, <laughs> um, and apparently they that that builder or that artist has made just piles and piles and piles of of modified guitars and modified pieces. And the person selling this was a collector of that artist, apparently. Um, but we're, what we're looking at here is an Epiphone. Uh, semi-hollow bass guitar i forget the uh the model the the rivoli uh that's what it says is the there's a uh epiphone rivoli Rivoli? and then and then the edges of the guitar and a centerpiece that's kind of in the shape of loosely like a spade uh is 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 
bordered with like chrome piping and inside the chrome piping is a big sheet of black leather. And then yeah. there's a matching piece of black leather on the headstock with the chrome piping. Uh, you look at the back of it and you have a big kind of uh, angular piece that's also leather with the chrome piping. Um, it, it looks cool. It's a cool concept, I think. But the execution isn't 100% there. Like I mentioned, like the front panel part is off-center, very visibly. Like, you can see that that's off-center, right? When I really, like, stare at it... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, look at how it lines up with the bridge. Like... Yeah. It's really wandering there. No, it's not great. Um, I'm just going to throw this out there. I know, you know, isn't... Oh, come on. Are you going to pull up the, the text block for you to read your stuff? All right, let's re- I'm going to read this text. Recreated by the artist Eldaga uh, in 2005. Eldaga Recreated is, it in air quotes because it's not a recreation of anything. Yeah. Re- is an established artist most famous for his rec- recreation of guitar art by using custom and vintage guitars as his medium. His pieces are in p- private collections and public museums throughout the world. I personally own 100-plus pieces of Eldaga's art in my collection of 1,200-plus vintage and custom guitars and amps. He does amps also. Cool, I guess. All of his... Uh, I tried to search to for this artist and couldn't find anything. Uh, yeah, can, please continue to check my store here on Reverb to see available pieces. Um, so I imagine that I'm looking at I, the store. Is this uh, Retroverb Music? Is that who this is through? I, I Maybe. I have the, the text block here in the next panel, but I don't have... It doesn't say who's okay. for sale by. Uh, all his recreations are one of a kind. As a youth in Mexico City in the 1960s, El Dago was an unlikely fan of British invasion music. One of his favorite unlikely. groups was The Animals. This guitar was based on his fond recollection of Chas Chandler's dynamic bass playing on Don't Let Me Be uh, Misunderstood, We've Got to Get Out of This Place, etc. For this piece, El Dago chose a 1996 Epiphone Rivoli VC R96E guitar. So this is a reissue of the 1967 Epiphone Rivoli. Uh, it was built in Korea at the Peerless factory. So that's just, you know, it's basically saying, you know, it's a gacky right. fender or whatever, right? Uh, this guitar is an art piece created by hand using leather and autochrome trip. It's artistically perfect, but has cosmetic defects and deviations that always come from handwork. What does Arti- that mean? Artistically perfect? Man, there is a marketing term right there. Jeez. But then he says, he says, so it's artistically perfect, but there's cosmetic devi- defects and deviations that always come from handwork, like gaps in the trim, glue spots in the wood, and leather, etc., that that do not have an adverse impact on playing or the sound of this guitar. Da, 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 da. So basically, he's saying that the fact that the leather piece is off center is on purpose. I'm going to start calling everything I do artistically perfect. That's that's. A bonkers thing to claim. I mean, I I pulled up this close up of of the corner of some of that piping just to show like there is a gap in that corner, and that's like on the front part of it. That's not hidden. Like I know I know it's probably hard to work with, but if this was like if if I I kind of like this look. I think this look is kind of cool. This yeah. leather sort of thing in the middle. I don't know if it's eighteen hundred dollars cool, but if this. If this was being made by a luthier, 
uh-huh. by a you know someone who professionally works with theming and styling guitars. Yes, I'd expect not to see that gap. I'd expect not to see that center portion visibly off center, like obviously off center. Like I think I think anyone would look at it and be like, yeah, that's off center. Um, I guess to call this artistically perfect is just wild. What he's saying is like the artist did this so it's perfect. Right. And, and so that's what I mean is artistically purpose, perfect can only like everything mean, I've everything I've ever recorded on guitar is artistically perfect because that's what I recorded. Yeah, like because that, all art is valid or no art is valid. Right. If everything is art, then nothing is art. <laughs> and so it looks like um, there's a bunch of other. Yeah. All sold by the same store. And some of these are just, you know, this one is, there's another one that is, there's just a bunch. Go on Reverb, Google, or search for El Daga. These all come up. They're all like, this guy's asking basically like 20, this is actually one of the cheapest pieces at $1,800. Yeah. Um, a lot of these are, are more expensive. Wait. And the, the you know, the basis from the animals, he was saying he, he styled this after played a stock one i looked it up he didn't have any sort of styling like this on his base <laughs> like it's that's that story's nonsense it's like okay cool he played this style of bass but th- i mean this this artistic edition here doesn't have anything to do with the animals right um i it, it the concept of it looks cool i i honestly Looking at it right now, I'm like, man, man it's, it's pretty cool. There's something really fun about it. Like, I would want to see a professional execution of this concept. I'm looking at one right now for it's a it's a Defil base. It's a Polish company, and basically, I can't find a lot about this company. So, I you know maybe it's, I mean, maybe I'm way off, but I'm guessing it's probably not worth a ton. It looks like some kind of wacky. Uh, Eastern European brand, right? Like, not bad. It might be a fine playing bass, but it's, it's probably not, like, you know, it's not a Wandre from Italy, like, that's worth sure, a bunch sure. of money. It's just, it exists. It exists. Right? Um, some, so because this artist put a bunch of foreign stamps on it, I'm not seeing any other modifications except it's covered in stamps. Uh huh, like male stamps, like male postage. stamps. Yeah, two thousand dollars. Fe- female stamps. Yeah, that's a lot of postage. There are male and female stamps. Yes, <laughs> for the male men and for the male women. Yeah, if you this- put male stamps on an envelope and you have a uh, a male woman letter <laughs> carrier. She can't take them by law. You have to put female stamps on them. So so here's the whole thing. I think you... That's why st- I always go for unisex. They're a little bit more expensive, but it's worth it. You know? I think you started to talk say this before, um, but the idea that this guy is a famous artist, like, again, what I'm not... What are the chances the guy selling this is the artist? <laughs> He's like, famous artist, well-known artist. I have... Over a thousand of his pieces in my collection. Yeah, because you're, you're the artist. Like they're all yeah. stacked up in your garage. If you Google <laughs> El Daga guitar, no, you know basically I couldn't it, find anything. It, I, I ended up on a Facebook page that has uh, 15 likes and 16 follows. 
Uh, I found a YouTube video that has 411 uh, views. I'm not a famous artist, but if you search for Ryan Burke art, something's going to pop up. You know? You're going to find my graphic design site. You're going to find my portfolio on iStock Photo. You know, it's... You're going to find my Dribble account. Like, it, nothing popped up for this guy when I searched for him. So, yeah, I'm just I'm thinking, like, if this guy's. I, guitar- maybe he is famous. Maybe he's famous in a non internet community. <laughs> but I don't know. But it's like, it says, like, it says that he, uh, he, uh, like, is featured in museums. That these are museum pieces. That these are in art collections. And I'm not seeing any of that either. Yeah, no idea. So yeah, eighteen hundred bucks. What what do these go for stock? You think Epiphone, uh, Revolta, or whatever it is? Um, you know, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if this is actually like a more expensive base. I mean, that burst it, looks very attractive. So here's a vintage one, nineteen sixty six, uh, for uh, fourteen hundred. There's some well, other. There's some other ones animals, that are are because this is a this is a, like a vintage Epiphone instrument. If right? you're an animals fan, you're gonna spend fourteen hundred on the vintage one. You're not gonna yeah. buy this artistic interpretation, this artistically perfect interpretation of the animals <laughs> base. You're gonna buy the actual vintage one for less money, for four hundred bucks less. Yeah, and it looks like the uh, the. Uh, re even the reissues sell for, or at least people list them for over a thousand dollars, like over mm-hmm. fifteen hundred. Because it, I guess it looks like they are made in Japan. Mm. So, so this is Epiphone Japan. So, so I mean, basically, even in this case, actually, yeah, it's actually kind of funny. But at nineteen hundred dollars, uh, it's almost like in the range. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how reversible a lot of those modifications are. You think it's just like the worst 3M spray glue under there and you'll never get it off? I wouldn't want to try to deal with yeah. this. It's got to be really nasty to get all that off. Ah, that bums me out. All right. Uh, album review? Album review. Or Let's should we do, do a sponsor? Oh, yeah, I got a sponsor. All right. CBA is Chispus Audio. They make pedals more creative than you are. Don't try to argue with that. You'll always lose. What the heck? I'll fight you in the street with a chain around my fist and a knife in my back pocket if you ever try to claim you're more creative than a single pedal from Chispus Audio. That's a challenge. Yep, head on over to chaseblissaudio.com. Check out some pedals that are more creative than you are with the digital brain and analog heart. They're just great. Go check them out. Just go check I'm, them out. Thanks, thanks, Chase Bliss, for sponsoring the show. I'm a little scared right now. You know why, Steve? Uh, why? Because Joel texted me the other night. Uh-oh. A little bit of brag. A little bit of brag. Joel texted me directly. He's got my number. No big deal. Uh, he's like, Ryan, would you like to demo the Automaton? I took a deep breath and I said, yes, I would like to demo it. <laughs> Send it to me. It's here we go. Deep dive. 
I had fun with it at Winter Nam. I know that I can have fun with it again. Um, but I know it's just chock full with a deep, deep dive of features. Oh, yeah. And, and because there's a whole preamp element to it that requires probably some more subtle playing to show it off. Joel is probably fine with me just treating it as a fuzz and doing my thing with it. <laughs> but I feel a professional obligation to try to cover what it can do. So I'm a, I'm a little nervous. I always get nervous when the when the Chase Swift pedals are on their way because it you know of all the pedals that I demo, it's just the design of them really makes me work for it. You know, right, right, right. <laughs> so keep an eye out for that. I will be covering uh, with an official demo the Automaton here in the future. Get to watch those sliders jump up and down. Maybe I'll do something creative. I'll use the sliders to push like ping pong balls around or something. I don't know. <laughs> I'll attach them to a mannequin that will move the arms in a creative it'll just way. Dance. It'll be like it'll be like it'll time. be like that scene in Home Alone. You know, exactly. That'd be cool. It would be cool. Do something cool, Ryan. That's I'll all we want. I'll do something really cool. Just do don't something worry. cool. Don't worry. I'll do something cool. All right. <laughs> All right, next uh, next top. Oh, it's the uh, it's the the um, the album. The album. This uh, week's album review is Green Day's quintessential "Listen, Dookie." I mean, the classic of the mid '90s. It is. It is a classic. The th- the album that probably birthed many, many, many bands. Oh yeah, many, many I, new I actually- guitarists. I made that note about halfway through is a uh, is a uh, basket case, um, which I just said. How many teens launched their music careers in the mid '90s because of this album? Yeah, and, okay. You know, really, probably because of that song. Here, here's my question for you, Steve. Knowing what you know about my musical tastes, what I like and don't like, mm-hmm. do you think I like or dislike this album? Um. Or you can choose the middle option that I'm apathetic towards it. I think musically you like this album, but you're apathetic about Billy Joe Armstrong singing. Um, I like this album a lot. (laughs) I had a lot of fun revisiting it. Um, I, I, I'm very strongly on record as being someone who hates, uh, emo and pop punk vocals. Mm hmm. And listening to this, I was like, this is such a pop album. Like, so much of this is just listenable, fun music, and it is pop, but it is not pop punk in its styling, you know? Even though it is punk, it's not it's, it's, pop it's punk as a genre. It's but definitely... It, but I wish that this is what pop punk as a genre was. I feel pop- like this is what pop punk was in 1995 or whatever, though. Yeah, before... like. Blink one eighty two, yeah, shift sort of happened. Like this is pre Blink pop punk, okay. and I I wish that Blink one eighty two had never happened, and this had been <laughs> the defining flavor of pop punk, and then I would have been a pop punk boy. That's like, fair. It's, it's that simple. Just this, you know. He, he certainly you know, Billy Joel certainly doesn't Billy Joel Armstrong. Billy Joel's a different person. Uh, <laughs> Billy Joel Armstrong certainly doesn't have a distinctly masculine style of voice like i'm not going like oh i just hate you know you know this this whiny emo uh you know pop punk style voice and billy joel has the masculine style pop punk 
punk voice that I like. No, he just has a more like middle of the road alt rock style voice that like shifts into punk rock aesthetics. Yeah. That's um, fair. And I, I find that very listenable. Uh, I, I think I'm more down on later green day just because it's like, if this is the green day that you grew up on or that, you know, helped form you as a musician and you're like, Oh, these guys, you know, you can't take them too seriously. This is, you know, mm-hmm. the perspective of from some fairly immature pre- people, uh, you know, learning about themselves and learning about life and whatnot. And then like the next album or two later is like them telling me how to vote. I'm like, no, I, I don't think so. Dude. Right. That's, that's fair. <laughs> I, you know, there are a couple also, songs- like in later couples- albums and later like versions of green day or whatever, they tried to present themselves as younger than they were when Dookie came. Out. Right. Which is a weird thing. Uh, there are, there are a couple moments on here. Actually the song, um, pulling teeth is really nineties mm-hmm. alty. Like it's very yes. not, I, yes. That one actually kind of took me by surprise, and also I realized that that song is basically the plot from the movie slash book Misery. Well, here here's my note on that song. Mm-hmm. Um, it comes right before Basket Case. Yes. Uh, I wrote, Basket Case is where my songwriting taste started. Pulling Teeth is where my tastes are now. I'd be stoked if I could write an alt-rock song like this. Solid hook, light country feel, it's fun. It's... I th- I think you kind of hit on a thing that I've never thought super hard about, but it is definitely real. Um, because I'm looking at the Wikipedia entry for pop punk and realizing like how many like big radio releases came out between 1994 and 1996 mm. before uh, Dude Ranch. Which was Blink One Eighty Two's break. I mean, they had an album before that, Cheshire Cat, that was pretty sure. big. Um, Dude Ranch them. is the one where it re- really blew up, though. Yeah, Dude Ranch was uh, was uh, damn it that really put them on the map, and then the album after that, um, which was Enema of the State in nineteen ninety nine. That was that was the one that really like what's my AGN all the small things. And right, like, right. Oh, you guys are. That was fully MT- MTV Blink-182. Yeah. yeah. Um, so so I, I just never super processed that because I never really, for me, I never moved past Dude Ranch. Like, Dude Ranch was everything after Dude Ranch. I was like, I don't really want to listen to Blink-182. But I'm looking at, like, track releases and, you know, the fact that 1994, so the same year Dookie came out, uh, was when uh, Smash came out uh, in 1994 uh, from the offspring, which was come out and play and self esteem, which are classic, right, right, you know, nineties pop punk punk whatever you want to call offspring. Yeah, nineteen ninety four was also the year that Bad Religion, Stranger Than Fiction came mm-hmm. out, mm-hmm. which was Stranger Than Fiction, uh, Infected, and Twenty First Century Digital Boy. Which in my head, I knew that that album was that old, but I also like don't know that I processed that it was that old. Yeah, I think Twenty First Century Digital Boy got a second life in the early O's in the early aughts. Yeah, for sure. Um, it got picked up by radio again for whatever reason, uh, probably just cause from the turn of the century. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, something I was going to say is like going back and listening to a lot of this music that 
was so present on the radio when I started playing guitar. And it's like, I, I don't think there was a single song on this album that I didn't learn to play on guitar at some point. Like listening through it, it was like, oh, I remember playing mm. that riff. Oh, I remember playing that. Uh, like going back and listening to Offspring, I'm like, man, this sucks. I, I, <laughs> I am not into Offspring anymore. When I hear Offspring come on the radio, I'm like, man, this is really not good at all. When I listening to through Duke, Dookie today, I was like, no, I still I still feel nostalgic for this. I still yeah. enjoy this. You know, I enjoy it in a different way than I did when I was a teenager. Um, but it's just it's just good fun. It's just good fun, you know. And it right. doesn't ever it didn't ever feel cringy to me. Like listening to Weezer last week, there were big cringe moments. Mm. I didn't ever feel those big cringe moments with Green Day. I, I think for me there were there were certain cringe moments with Dookie because I trouble I'm you know because I don't have a strong association. I listened to Dookie at like my friend's house and you know in sure. middle school and whatever, um, but I don't have a strong association. So songs that I what that I'm not familiar with or as familiar with. Um, I can only visualize these songs being sung by like a 50 year old man or however the hell old Billy Joel Armstrong is. <laughs> yeah. Now. Yeah. He's got, he's right? got to be 50 at least right now. Um, and so it's like, it's hard for some of them. So like, again, like, you know, a song like, um, long view, which, you know, we, you know, long view, I find very tolerable. Well, I find I, that song to be very tolerable because I, you know, because I hear it in that nineties, you know, Teen, whatever. Well, Longview is like space. Honestly, like listening to Longview is like this, and a a handful of other tracks on here are songs that probably are responsible for thousands of bassists. Oh yeah, thousands of kids going like, oh, I want to learn to play bass. Like that is the hook. That's the intro to this song. Is that sick bass riff? It's not yeah. like a traditional bass riff at all. It's not like a Bootsy Collins or something like that. It's but it's the hook, yeah. you know. Well, and and then it, 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 I think that I think the bass is the secret star of this album. Like, cool. They come. They come back right on the next track. Welcome to Paradise, yeah. and it has a freaking bass solo. Yeah, and it's like the the bass is really the most interesting part of uh, the musicality of this album. It it gets a lot of the hot, sexy parts. You know, like if. When I was a teen, like if you could play Longview on the guitar, then you would just sit there and play it over and over again. That little right. boom, 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 yeah. boom, boom, like that. Everyone would sit around and just play that over and over again because it's the only thing we knew and it, it was so recognizable, you know. And I think that's why I consider this to be so like, pro- like pop approachable. Is that there are like big hooky moments like that that are so easy to grab onto and and so easy to play too, like. This album was a gift to mid-90s teens <laughs> that were curious about guitars. Like, oh, you want to play something that's on the radio? Here's three chords and, uh, you know, a little right. repeatable riff. And all your friends will know it and everyone will be stoked, you know? So, I don't know. I'm a big fan. I'm a much bigger fan of Green Day than I realized. Or maybe I'm just a big fan <laughs> of this of this album because, I, I don't know, I couldn't tell you about other albums. They had that song Warning that I thought was fun, I guess, but... I, Really, I hated that song. I think everything after this, I was just like, oh, I don't really care. But like um, this, this al- happened at the exact right point in my life where right. it, you know, influenced me. So these were tracks I recognized. Um, Nimrod has a bunch of tracks on it that I really liked. Uh, I remember listening to that one as a yeah. kid. Um, 
mostly I just thought like Hitchin' a Ride was a jam and Nice Guys Finish Last was a jam. Oh, is that the is that the one that's got the uh, My Eyes Feel Like They're Gonna Bleed song? What's that song called? Um, no, that's from Insomniac. That was the album oh, okay. actually after, or I think that's the album after. Uh, that one's that that one's Dookie. probably got some songs on it that I'm yeah big into. When they when they kind of like rebranded around Warning and then into American Idiot. And stuff, yeah, that one was just like I'm done. I'm done with Green Day. Yeah, Warning was uh, Warning was a weird album, and then yeah, American Idiot. I was like, mm. especially since Boulevard of Broken Dreams is really just Wonderwall, right? But they put out two ballads. Well, on, everything is American everything is. Here's the thing: everything is Wonderwall if you use a, uh, a, a close enough microscope. <laughs> it's Wonderwall <laughs> all the way down to the subatomic level. <laughs> yeah, that that I mean, Boulevard of Broken Dreams is you. It's you sing Wonderwall over it because you're bored. Right, right. <laughs> oh, time of our life. That was that was one of their big that, songs later in the nineties. Uh, Nimrod. Like, that was from Nimrod. Another another gift to budding guitarists, a three-chord oh, yeah. song that everyone could play on the beach with an acoustic, you know? Like, so, I feel yeah. like I need to grab my guitar right now and start playing it. Let me see if I've got any other notes here. Uh, as a 13-year-old boy, All By Myself was a legendary hidden track. <laughs> I think they made you wait like six minutes to get to that thing, yeah, too. Yeah, it's a pretty long one. Uh, one of my notes was going back to Longview. Um, why is it that like Longview is an awkward sing along for me? And like, I, I'm very, I'm more than down to listen to it. And I do not find that song cringy at all. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but when Brad Noel from sublime sings about getting a handy, I just want to like rip my ears off. It's a different, it's a different vibe. It's a different it's energy, a, but it's weird, right? Like, I feel like that's weird. Right. Like, I feel like, you know... Well, like, when... when I have, I have no thing. problem... When you listen to... I have no problem with Genuine's Pony. Right, I right. Just, maybe I just really hate Sublime. I think that's easy to do. <laughs> Can we make a gentleman's agreement right now? That uh, Sure, sure. That we I will, think I know what this is. That we will not do Sublime for one of these... <laughs> <laughs> that would be I don't how did we not think of you know we've been I've at least I've been trying to think of these you know mutually assured destruction albums it's just like, not even like it's just gross and annoying I don't want to like it's not even like ah, this will be hard to listen to it's just like I've heard it all I don't want to hear it again we can't escape it in San Diego like, I, it's just not can we we can talk about sublime without listening to it yeah. <laughs> no thanks gross <laughs> I liked Sublime, you know, the first couple times I heard him. But then after a while, man, you can't get away from him. And I was a teenager the first time you hear him. So, you, you know, you, can, you can't blame me. All right. Yeah. Any other notes here? I, sh- any favorite songs, Steve? Um, You've mentioned Longview a few times, but. Yeah. Uh, favorite song, favorite song. I don't know if I listen. I, I really have to listen to. A song over and over again to have a to have a favorite song. Um, I think, you know, I think my probably a favorite song would would end up being one of the one of the obvious like one of the singles. So mm. I really like she for some reason. Mm. 
I thought that was Which, one that again I, one of the one of the singles. Yeah, well, and it's also another one with you know a big bass part on there. Uh, which is weird that I'm so into the bass sounds on this. And like when the when the Green Day pedal came out by MXR, right? I was like, oh, that's cool. Like that, yeah. There's some heavy like distortion on this album. That's cool, I guess. But man, I think the bass is the star. I think mm. it really is that that clean bass that just like sticks out of the mix so well. I've yeah. n- I'd never thought that I'd be so bass oriented in something I was listening to. But I mean, I was, Mike Dern's had a few different Fender signature basses. Yeah. All right. Do we um, want to do the last ad and get out of here? Let's do some housekeeping, man. Oh, housekeeping. Good idea. This Steve. is a part of the show where we talk about our Patreon. If you want to support the show, uh, head on over to patreon.com slash 60 cycle humcast. Uh, this week, uh, we have uh, new supporters, uh, Harrison Carlin, and Eric Burleson at the $10 level. Nice. Um, Thanks, guys. I have not added Harrison Carlin to the Facebook group, so uh, Harrison, Shame when you on listen you, to this, Steve. Uh, well, I just haven't found him on Facebook. So uh, shoot a friend request to Ryan or I, and, and we will get you into the inner circle. Um, and then at the $1 level, Tim Lannon, uh, thank you for, for Thanks, your Tim. pledge of a, of a dollar. Uh, we appreciate it. Everyone who supports the show, even you know whether it's a dollar, whether it's ten dollars, uh, whether it's uh, you know you want to support the show, send us send us an ad, send us a song. After we do this last ad, we're gonna put a song on the audio podcast and uh, on the audio portion, and um, we're almost out of those, so we could definitely use some more songs if you want yeah. to get your track on the end of uh, of the the audio portion. So yeah, uh, yeah, let's hit this last ad. Let's do it. Uh, here it is. You found this, right? I did find this. This is a local one. This is, uh, you called it pre-parallel. Yeah, because um, the guy made a big claim in the copy that is like, oh, I did this before Fender came out with their uh, parallel I didn't universe read stuff. the copy because the instrument itself was already so stupid. <laughs> this is a custom hardtail Stratocaster Telecaster hybrid with warm-off. Bird's Eye Maple Neck. This is a parallel universe strap before Fender thought of doing it. Handmade in USA with high-quality American parts, hardtail strap body with Tele headstock and Tele bridge. Has the look and comfort of a strap with the twang of a Tele. Three pickups with a five-way switch gives you those strat tones, too. If you tried to build this guitar yourself, you would spend eight fifty for the parts. Uh, At least the, they didn't go like too crazy with that number. Like, I, yeah. I, was, I was wincing waiting for you to say, oh, it cost you $2,000. Yeah, he went very uh, the, realistic with that. So actually, the reason that I flagged this up is because the uh, the title of the ad is Fender USA Guitar. I should have read more of the ad copy because I because the body is a custom body manufacturer made by Harper Manufacturing in Vacaville, California, and the neck is the, a warmoth. The neck is a warmoth uh, neck. Uh, the pickups are from Lace and Seymour Duncan. They are Fender, five-way switch, uh, neck, jack, whatever. So basically, so it is, it's a Fender pit guard. It is USA, but is it, is it USA, a Fender? But, is, but none of this is Fender. I mean, the, the small bits are Fender. I mean, it is a Fender style in a couple sure. different directions. But it is not a Fender. So, yeah, I, I see where you're going with that. My takeaway from this is just how apparent it is where it might not be normally obviously apparent how different the placement of the bridge pickup is on a Telecaster versus a Strat. 
like just yeah. the, the distance from the actual bridge saddles to the yeah. pickup is dramatic compared to it's, Stratocaster. It's far. It's a lot farther. Maybe, maybe I think that's that why would, I can tolerate Telecaster bridge sounds a lot yeah. more than Fender or than Strat bridge sounds. I think that contributes to the Telecaster sound quite a bit. The bridge sound is that uh, it is farther away from the bridge. I mean, You looking for one now? I'm looking at my Jennings. I'm wondering if that plate he used is extra long or something, too, though. It definitely looks a little weird. Because it doesn't look that dramatic on my uh, on my Jennings here versus my Strat. He says it's a Fender Chrome four-hole six-saddle bridge. Maybe that's a secret thing, like a secret dimension that you can... There's some that are longer or something, but I've not, you'd think I would have heard of that by now. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it just looks off because it's on a strap body. Oh, I can tell you why it is right now looking at the Jennings. It's because it has the placement where it has the long screws. His screws are really freaking short on that. So it looks longer. And he has the he has the block saddles. Right, right, right. Yeah. That's at least some part of it. It still just looks longer though. Yeah. It's is because I was looking at it like, but then like a Nashville telly looks like it makes sense, but then maybe the placement of the middle pickup is different on a Nashville telly, because the mm. middle pickup is so damn close to the bridge pickup with this. I don't know, man. No, there's something. He says this is a Fender bridge, but there's something up, right? He also said this is a Fender guitar. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Take it with a grain of salt. Uh, what does he want for this again? No, it's okay. So it's definitely moved. Go, go look at, go pull your strat off the wall. Go look at your strat. On a Stratocaster, the bridge pickup is like slightly behind. Like, it's real slight, but it's slightly behind the, uh, that volume knob. On this one, the, the, pickup is on like the other side of the volume knob uh, or am i just crazy i think you're crazy I'm, on that one it's just i don't know what is going on with this guitar why does it look so wonky is it really just the visual tension no like the top the the part of the the bridge pickup that's closest to the middle pickup looks so much closer than the strat my strat does in my hand right now it looks like a good half an inch closer. So much silence trying to it's figure hard, this out. Maybe it's all bridge placement. Maybe he literally put the bridge too close to the neck. And that's, oh, yeah. And maybe this thing won't intonate because of that. <laughs> what does he like, want? I'm trying to figure it out by looking at other dimensions. Because I found, like, some other... You mean, like, the Phantom custom, Dimension? Like, some other uh, custom, like, lengths. Steve is I looking just, into alternate dimensions to figure I this out. I just sent you a link of somebody putting a tele... Someone else who put a tele bridge on it. And it just looks more normal, even though it, I guess it's the same. Yeah, that does look more normal. Why does it look so different? 
Maybe it's all angle or something. No, it it looks like there's more space in between uh, on the pit guard in between the middle pickup and where the bridge plate starts. It looks like there's like I said, like maybe half an inch, maybe you know five eighths of an inch difference. There's something went wonky with this. I I you know looking at this, the there's something wrong. Back and forth, there's the something more I go back and forth between the link I sent you and this picture the less i'm convinced that it's not just like something weird going on with my eyeline <laughs> like because you know because what doesn't help with with this one with this one that we're looking at this ad uh-huh. is that it doesn't have like all of the screws so there's like there's right. less there's like not a visual breakup I don't know. I don't know. No, it looks it looks different and wrong to me. Gross. You might be wrong though. I mean, you might be right, be right though. All right, tell us about the song, and then we'll hang out for a little bit. Sure. This song is uh, sent by uh, Sieb from the band Drowning Not Waving, an indie rock band from Belgium. Uh, who's been following our channel and podcast for a while? He says he loved the videos about the Surfy Bear Reverb. Uh, and it convinced him to start building his own that he's been very happy with. He says, I'll attach nice. a picture if you want to see the results. Uh, the cabinet still needs some work, but it's fun how you learn tons of new stuff along the way. I made the chassis myself out of an old shelf, for example. Your podcast really helps us take our minds out of what's happening outside and support our gas. Uh, it'd be really cool if you guys checked out our single. It's called Waiting uh, off of our upcoming EP, which is attached as an MP3 to this email. And uh, he says, let us know what you think. So we're going to play this at the end, and uh, then we will let you know what we think. The end of the audio podcast here on YouTube. Yep. You're out of luck. Sorry. Until COVID is over. 